jump. This is insanity. What is going on? I'm gonna okay. fight you, bro. Seriously, that's it? Yeah. No. I told you it's a rhino and then it's paid off. All happening at once. Pop the molly, now I'm sweating. And you got an eight and a third chance of winning. Yo, Bat Bunny. It's a dead man. I'm dumb as fuck. Um, my nephew Eric asked me to do an AEW review, and I was very excited to do so. First and foremost, before I go any further, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Lewis, Lewis Danhoff, and I used to be a bush leaguer for the WCPW wrestler. And that was back when the farm system for TNA was a thing. And TNA doesn't mean what you think it means. What it means is total nonstop wrestling. But that's enough about me. We're here for the review, not about my past, not about who I was or what I am or what I did or nothing along those lines. But first and foremost, before I go any further with the review, I want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate your time. Now, here we go. First and foremost, AEW finally had its debut this past Wednesday. Now, for those that are unfamiliar with the uh, Wednesday or that even with the AEW television show being the real, yes, I'm saying it, the real professional wrestling product comes on Wednesdays on TNT, and for those of you um, mostly here in the States, it should be at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, upon starting to watch this show as it came on, I felt like a fan again. I really did, because I think deep down, for all the true hardcore wrestling fans, they have been wanting this. I mean, really. Um, with the AEW uh, pay-per-views before it had eventually led up to the television show, it was kind of a um, kind of a um, a breath of fresh air for those of us who were waiting for a good wrestling show to come on. As far as storylines, as far as like uh, new and exciting characters that we're eventually going to see. But uh, I'll get into that a little bit more as we progress. Now, first and foremost, uh, was it a perfect show? Um, probably not perfect for those that had, I guess, higher expectations. But um, for me personally, it was a welcome back to the, the nostalgic feel like that of the Monday Night Wars. When it was Monday Night Raw versus the TNT WCW. So I know, I know, I know. For all those that out there, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's the whole uh, AEW versus the WWE. And in some cases, yes, you could go ahead and say that. But in other cases, I would prefer 
the the real winners in this should be the the fans. Should be the fans. And um, I think overall the fans will be the winner moving forward. Now, as far as um, what it looked like, I think the stage looked great. They had the um, moving up of the center of the main entrance level where um, Cody and Brandy came out at. And as it moved up, um, it kind of gave more of a focus to what it was that you were uh, able to see and in store for the uh, show in itself as far as the visual per uh, perspective. Um, I think that... Um, they did a great job with covering the um, fans' outlook for those that were not at the stadium, for those that were watching on television, because you actually saw a what a real, yeah, I'm going to say, it, a real full house looks like for a professional wrestling show not whereas now i know it's gonna sound like i'm just constantly beating up on the wwe but the wwe uh has in the past not that far in the past but in the past you know been unable to have uh sellouts but all you have to do is check out um visuals on youtube and then this way it would give you a better understanding of what it is that I'm referring to at this particular moment. Uh, Full House, uh, TNT, Live, AEW, they're panning out wide shots. They're showing all the people just enjoying what's to come on their first debut show. The WWE, on the other hand, they have the technology, they have all the money, they're the huge juggernaut, and they are able... For, I don't know if it's most of the time, but I know it's definitely some of the time where they um, do cover shots of fans that sold out in the past. So that this way, visually, when they put on the show, you could actually view it as a full house. Uh, I guess kind of a visual sleight of hand, if you will, uh, via television. So. Uh, moving on. Now, of course, with every wrestling show, you have to have your commentary, uh, your commentators, excuse me. Uh, you have to have a, uh, I guess your show hosts, if you will, kind of give you a walking, um, narration of, in this particular case, uh, some of the wrestlers that you may not be comfortable with as far as household names are concerned. Uh, for the debut show, they had Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Excalibur. I think they worked great together, but I believe that Tony Schiavone should take the lead as far as this particular trio is concerned for the commentating of the AEW show. Now, 
Uh, Jim Ross, on the other hand, my opinion is that they signed him more for his wrestling knowledge than that of what he can bring to the mic right now. Not saying that his um, mic skills cannot bring it. They definitely can. But at times, you could kind of tell that sometimes he kind of is a little bit slow to react. And then that's where Excalibur is fairly important. Uh, but just in case if you're unfamiliar, um, just go back and check out some of the pay-per-views and just listen to the commentary. You can kind of pick it up and see where Excalibur is also very important in the commentating role. Now, uh, Tony Schiavone, he didn't miss a beat. He was fantastic. He, in a sense, hit the ground running. And I personally thought he was great. And uh, honestly, moving forward, I hope that they keep him on the commentating team. Um, okay, now, moving on. Uh, as far as the show in itself, as far as the overall storytelling aspect, in the end, it leaves you wanting more because of the, I don't want to say a cliffhanger ending, but I will get to that later in this particular um, recording. And I will kind of kind of have a slow burn to give you a better understanding of that of which I am talking about. But just like every television show, it doesn't have to be a wrestling show. It could be anything. It could be anything. The whole purpose and the fact that it matters if you have a television show, you want the show to keep your interest, to uh, leave you in a sense of, I guess, anticipation of watching it during. And at the end, you have to have, I guess, in a sense, a reason to care. Because if you don't have a reason to care, I mean, why the hell are you going to watch it? I mean, there you go. I mean, just ask yourself those uh, particular things. And then when you're watching your favorite shows and you happen to listen to this in any kind of way, then you kind of say, yeah, you know, we may not like this guy, but he brings up a point. Now, moving on. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but if you get a chance to watch this particular show and when the wrestlers come down, uh, again, I, I, uh, let's let's repoint out the visual in the beginning of where the wrestlers come down the ramp and go toward the ring. You have your uh, two sides to the opening. You have one side where the baby faces come out. You have another side where the heels come out. So this way, I guess, in a sense, this is AEW's way of showing you and kind of helping for storyline purposes, giving you a better idea 
of who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. And uh, when they come down to the ring, you'll notice that they have the uh, visual icon that appears probably around their waist area when they're coming down the ramp of their name. And if you notice to the far right, and this is important, to the far right, this helps in their version of the storytelling of their wrestling sports entertainment. Because if you watch any kind of sports, you know that wins and losses matter in the progression of a season, if you will. Like, say, football, baseball, basketball, any televised sports and entertainment event you know that you have to have a certain amount of wins in order to progress forward toward a championship goal, like playoffs. Like in this case for AEW, whom is going to be these particular individuals that are going to be deserving of that, of a title shot when the next television show comes on. Or if a storyline could actually lead up to that of a pay-per-view. And you will have your representing champion on the pay-per-view. Going against the person with the best record at this particular time. And when you're watching the television show, when you see that they gain more wins, you can kind of follow that storyline narrative to say, wow, you know, this guy hasn't lost in so many shows. He hasn't lost in so many matches. He deserves a title shot. Not like, say, the WWE, where in this particular case, if you are a heel going against a baby face, said example, uh, the face, the good guy, if you will, has the, uh, the championship. And if you're the classic heel, you know, you, you automatically, by default, I guess, in a sense, get this particular championship match. Regardless, because if you watch what the WWE puts on, more times than not, these particular heels, to set this example moving forward, have losses. They go there to just do a job. Now, not trying to hate on them because I believe that the WWE in itself has the greatest line of a overall collective, if you want to say it that way. An overall collective. Um, an abundance of talent. And with this talent, um, it's not their fault. It's not the talent's fault at all. But what it is, is those that are responsible for a creative scenario as far as Sammy Guevara versus Cody Rhodes. They started out with a video package telling you their respective sides of their story. Now, Sammy Guevara in this particular case, of course, the heel. Cody Rhodes, the face. Which is kind of weird because on a side sidebar note, um, 
his wife Brandy, when she does take the time to wrestle, you notice that she's more of a heel. But yet when she comes out with Cody, she's like a face. So I guess to me personally, that's kind of funny, entertaining, and, you know, I, I kind of like seeing it because uh, she can play the role of a dual personality, that being a heel and a face. I think in this particular case, you could tell that there were some butterflies in their stomach between the two of them, but that's nothing new. I mean, these guys are performers. They were performing in front of a crowd of, I believe it was 14,000. 14,000 or maybe a little bit more. I mean, just for a little side joke, you don't want to be like the WWE and have a uh, particular arena that could house a uh, 12,500, let's say, for set example, for a um, televised, uh, dare I say, house show, and um, only like 3,000 show up. <laughs> They'll round it up, and it would be like 3,700. So, yeah, you know, it was like 12,000. Okay. No, it wasn't that, but that's just a side joke. So, um, moving on. Moving on. Uh, just have patience. Just have patience. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there to the promised land. <laughs> okay. Uh, MJF. Uh, 23-year-old phenomenon that, in my opinion, he is just leaps and bounds and years ahead of his time as an upcoming heel. He is fantastic at being a heel as a viewer for uh, a sporting event television show, he gives you a reason to hate him. He gives you the reason to hate him, especially how he acts, um, facial expressions, uh, mic work. When he goes and cuts promos, he gives you a reason to care. And what I mean by care, he gives you a reason to hate him. And uh, M. JF was going against, uh, I believe his name was Brandon Cutler. And they said during the course of set match that he has been out for quite some time. Now, I don't know if it was due to family obligations. I don't know if it was to a uh, particular injury. But for someone who has been out for set uh, time that they described, uh, according to what they described, that it was quite some time. I think he did a great job in this particular case. And Brandon Cutler, um, again, again, this is probably going to be one of those names that's on the roster of the AEW television show um, that you're going to be seeing uh, in the future, moving forward. And uh, moving forward, you're going to see these guys and they're going to get the television exposure that they probably didn't have via when they were wrestling in the indies, if you will, or other promotions that did not have a television deal of that of, in the WWE's case, the USA Network. And in this case, for AEW with TNT, I know they do a lot of uh, basketball games as well. Um, 
you're going to get a chance to see some of these guys. You're going to become more familiar with these guys, and hopefully they can stay healthy so that this way, moving forward for them, they'll give you an opportunity to give you a reason to care. But in this particular match, MJF versus Brandon Cutler, the whole point of this, the whole point of this, in my opinion, was just to get MJF over as a heel. Just to get him over, and I think Brandon, um, I think he did his job. I think he did it well. Um, and in this particular case, the reason to care is to hate MJF. I, I guess in this case, they're um, showing you that AEW, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, AEW at this point, has the best tag team division in all of wrestling. In all of wrestling. I don't care what promotion it is. AEW has the best tag team division overall. Now, SCU Lucha Brothers, they, they were having a uh, bit of a um, altercation, not in the ring, but uh, I guess from a another entrance. That was not on the entrance ramp. And that's where they were kind of going back and forth. And I guess they were um, basically having a brief monologue between them two about the upcoming tag team tournament that's coming up. And uh, the funny part that, that you know I believe is like within the brackets... They're in the brackets, but they're not going to be going against each other as of yet. I mean, unless they uh, win in advance, and then there you go. So I don't think that that was like a particular message, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, next match. Uh, again, going on memory here. I don't have nothing in front of me. I believe it was Adam Hangman Page versus Pac. Now, again... You may not be familiar with uh, these particular names, or you might. But like I say, uh, nonetheless, either direction, um, you're going to see these guys more and more, so you will become more familiar with them moving forward, both on the television show and that of the pay-per-views that will be upcoming. Now, this particular match... I thought it was amazing because these guys are really good, really good. And uh, just on a side note with these two guys, I believe, uh, I'm not sure if it was Fighter Fest, but it was, no, 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 it was Double or Nothing. Originally, before uh, Double or Nothing actually happened, I think these two guys were supposed to have a particular match in that particular pay-per-view. But sadly, it did not happen then. But here, on AEW's first television show, it did happen. And what a match it was. I mean, it was great. And um, the back and forth between these guys, I think they work well with one another. A small idea, but um, this particular match uh, ended up with Pac ever doing the classic 
classic heel move. He had uh, used um, Hangman Adams Page momentum moving into the ropes with this particular move. I don't know if it was a form of an upcoming backdrop or, or some type of move. Uh, Pac managed to get himself um, close enough to the referee, cut his vision off so that he could deliver a low blow and wound up um, winning the match via classic heel fashion. But let's just iterate real quick, real quick. Not to kind of just hang over uh, this particular topic with the WWE, I guess in this sense, in comparison with AEW, you have Pac as a heel doing a heel-like thing um, to get set victory. It's not like he went out there and he lost and now next week he's going to get a title match. It's not senseless like that. It gives you a reason to care. You're, you're able to follow this particular storyline and he gives you a reason to not like him as a viewer. Now, enough of that comparison. Moving on. Um, I believe the next match was to crown the AEW Women's Champion. And this was be, uh, between Riho and Nyla Rose. Uh, Nyla Rose being the bigger of the two, the more intimidating of the two, and Rio is the uh, wonderful little, uh, I guess in this sense, the David and Goliath, if you want to use that as an example. You know, she is uh, small in stature. I believe JR made reference to her only being 98 pounds. And Nyla Rose, um, as far as all the women out there, I, I don't want to really shout out numbers and say, hey, she's well over 200 pounds, because then, you know, that could get you in trouble. But. For the purposes of trying to create a visual with audio, yeah, she's over 200 pounds. And, um, again, the David and Goliath story, I thought the match overall was pretty good. I really believe that these two should probably, behind the scenes, work a little more with each other so that the moves can be a little more fluent. Uh, that could be a little more easier. Um, I don't want to say go with the whole rehearsal thing, but practice is important because you don't want nobody getting hurt at this particular stage in the beginning of that, of the AEW television show. But uh, I thought the match overall was pretty good. I think the fans were into it to the point of where you can feel the slow build, if you will, for that of the uh, face being Riho. They were behind her. They were cheering. I mean, not that they weren't behind Nyla. They were, you know, but, uh, you know, classic heel versus baby face. Here we go. 
you know, they're telling their story. And in this case, it had a lot at stake. Um, Kenny Omega for the main event and the Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and Santana and Ortiz for this particular main event match. And again, again, with these names involved, it could easily headline any kind of pay-per-view. Anywhere, doesn't matter. Now, uh, the match itself, of course, if you ever seen, you know, Kenny Omega wrestler, if you ever seen the Young Bucks wrestle, uh, Chris Jericho is a name that doesn't necessarily need to be described because if you're a wrestling fan, I'm fairly certain that you know who this guy is. Um, Santana and Ortiz, they came from Impact because I believe that their contract was up. They did not sign for an extension uh, due to the effect of the AEW um, hunger to add to their stable of the tag team division. And I said earlier in the, uh, this recording that I said that they have the best tag team division in all of wrestling, in any promotion, anywhere in the world. But like I say, don't take my word for it. Just tune in for the upcoming tournament for that of the tag team uh, division, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. But now, let's get into it. Uh, the match itself, again, fantastic match. Uh, to all those involved, and just keep in mind, keep in mind, they are giving you a reason to care. Now, let me elaborate on that. Uh, reason to care, um, we get uh, not quite in the middle of the match, and then you have a John Moxley sighting from behind Kenny Omega. That particular camera angle, Kenny played it off fantastically. I mean, he... This guy is so good. And moving forward, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. He had this look on his face like the hairs on the back of his neck was standing up because he had this feeling that someone was behind him. And he was correct. And the camera work, they caught it perfectly for this particular instance before Moxley caused the separation of the six-man tag by way of continuing their feud, if you will, between John Moxley and Kenny Omega by separating him from the six-man tag match. Um, but just for a quick sidebar, um, I believe that if CM Punk was to ever uh, come back to wrestling in a wrestling capacity, he could have definitely done it here. He really could. And I think if he did, it would have probably broke the internet moving forward after the show. Uh, the ratings would have popped through the roof. And I think in this particular case, as a wrestler to a wrestling fan, my opinion is he may have missed a window of opportunity here by deciding not to come back and I believe his goal at the moment is to be signed by Fox as some sort of announcer 
for their upcoming deal between SmackDown, Fox, and himself. But making sure, I get, I guess, in his um, cited argument that he is not a part of the WWE contractually wise. He will, if this case, if hired by Fox, he will be the property of Fox moving forward in the form of a announcer of some sort or, or maybe a backstage interviewer. I'm not 100% sure um, on what his role would be, but uh, I, I guess uh, we, we're just going to have to be patient and we will see uh, moving forward. But um, enough about that. Um, I, again, like I say, I thought this would have been a fantastic opportunity for CM Punk as a wrestler to the wrestling fans to come back. But that did not happen. And I think, in my personal opinion, he may have missed an opportunity in this instance. Now, back to Kenny and John Moxley. Kenny, um, the look on his face, the camera angle, it pretty much said it all. It set the tone. Um, John Moxley, as I said, separated him from the six-man tag. Um, there was so much action going on, it did not cause a disqualification. But what they did, they took the fight all over the arena and then they um, eventually wound up in the, I believe, the upper deck suites or the VIP section. Um, because, like I say, fighting throughout the crowd, they were going up the stairs. I believe they went into some sort of uh, fan suite. Um, and they were going back and forth and... Um, John Moxley set him up for a DDT that just looked devastating through a glass uh, plated table. It looked really bad, but it got you really into it as far as I can't stress enough. You know, these television shows should give you a reason to care. It should give you a reason to be on the edge of your seat. It should give you a reason to continuously watch. And in my opinion, they delivered. They delivered. They really did. That DDT shot through the table looked devastating. Um, this gave um, Chris Jericho an opportunity to uh, let... The Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz uh, show their skills. And again, if you didn't watch the show, uh, please go back. Uh, just, just watch. Just, just watch. If you're a fan of any kind of wrestling, this is something that you want to see. This is something that you want to see because it's telling you a story. It's building up to that next week anticipation of you wanting to tune in as a fan, as you wanting to tune in as a person that loves uh, a particular television show. You have a reason, and they're giving you this reason by showing you and showcasing their talents, by telling a story and doing it all in the ring for all of us watching uh, at home and for those that were in the arena at that time. So, 
uh, Chris was kind of picking his spots, I guess. He was just uh, kind of picking his spots, just waiting to do what he does. And eventually, in doing so, uh, he caught one of the brothers with, uh, that being the Young Bucks, he caught one of the Young Bucks with a code breaker and got the pin. Now, as you know, for heels, of course, they're not going to just let it go. They're not just going to take the win and just kind of gracefully leave the ring. And no, no, they're not going to do that. They're going to give you a reason for uh, tuning in next week. And they delivered uh, a beatdown uh, to the Young Bucks. And then in classic face, or in this case, baby face formation. You had uh, uh, Cody and his brother kind of run out there to create a, um, a heroic save situation. And that particularly did not work out too well in their favor. Because the um, new signing, their new signing, uh, Jake Hager, or formerly known as Jack Swagger of that and when he was in the WWE, to help out Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz regain the upper hand by way of him showcasing his talents, being that of Jack Swagger, to help them uh, overcome, in this particular case, the save that they were trying to help out the good guys, if you will. That kind of fell short. Uh, the heels took the upper hand for the show. The show had gone off the air leaving you wanted or, or wanting to see more of these particular feuds being that of um, a potential Santana or Ortiz versus the Young Bucks. Um, Jack Hager going against either of the uh, Rhodes brothers. But again, overall, I think it was a great show. It was telling a great story. It was showcasing all these uh, talents that they have. And I think moving forward, they're going to be doing a great job as far as getting over set talent that you may not be used to seeing, but you will be seeing. And they will connect them with uh, storylines, feuds, moving forward to that of the pay-per-views to where they could tell an even greater story. So, again, that was my opinion. That was my review for the first week of AEW. This is Lewis signing off. And thank you for listening. And take care of yourself. Uh -huh.